What a faithful God we serve. He is faithful to us. Amen? Today I want to talk about we disciple in motion. As I do so, I do not want to discount the discipline of being still sometimes. Be still and know that I am God is part of the instruction that God gives us. There are times when we need to be quiet and we need to listen. But I believe that disciple in motion captures a key truth for everybody in the room. That being in motion spiritually is the will of God for you. And not only spiritually, being in motion is important in every dimension of your life because you are a living being. I read of a doctor who had a treadmill brought into his office. And he was a cardi, uh, cardiologist. And any time that he was reading, even when he was talking to people, he would walk on his treadmill. And his instruction to his patients and to everybody who would listen to him was this. Stay in motion. Don't vegetate on the couch. Don't sit in your chair too long. Get up and get going because you will be healthier. Physically, you will be healthier. In a day when we are fighting obesity here in these United States and around the world, not only with adults but also with children. Speaking as somebody who has obesity in their family and heart disease, let me tell you, I know I need to stay in motion. I've got an uncle who's 85 years old and he walks six miles every day. He loves to tell the story of when the doctor said to him, you have hypertension and we need to give you medicine. And he said to the doctor, give me three weeks. I'll come back and see you. You tell me if I need it. That very day, he started walking six miles every morning. If Uncle Glenn comes, he gets me out of bed. We go walk six miles. 85 years old. Healthy as a horse. Stay in motion, brother. You'll be more useful to the kingdom. You'll be healthier physically and emotionally if you stay in motion. And this is part of the instruction of God's word. It's an important tenet for us to hold in our heart. Staying in motion is not just about your physical body. It's not just about exercise regimens and staying healthy by getting the cardiovascular work that you need for your heart and the rest of your body. It's also about you spiritually continuing to do the things that bring you success, peace, Hope and joy as a follower of Jesus Christ. And it is too easy physically to just choose your LED over your treadmill. It's just too easy. And it's the same spiritually. It's just too easy to choose to sit there instead of doing what you know might bless somebody else. Now, brothers and sisters, when you get to heaven... You are likely to discover what you discover in the teachings of Jesus. It is the sins of omission that get us 
worse than anything. I was hungry and you didn't give me any food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me any glass of water. I was naked, you brought no clothes. I was without shelter and you didn't help. I was sick, you never came to see me. And not only in Matthew 25, but throughout the teachings of Jesus, you have this challenge to get out there and be doing. Now, I'm not telling you that doing is going to get you to heaven. I'm telling you that doing is part of the journey there. And if you're going to love this journey and enjoy what God's doing in your life, you've got to get in motion. And our suggestion here is that we disciple in motion. That is, you're not growing unless you're serving. You're not growing unless you're serving. These truths that we encounter in the Word of God are to be implemented. If they are not being implemented, there's something wrong with the teaching process. We're not getting it all the way. We can't be hearers of the Word and not doers. And the Word challenges us to get up and get going. Now, I'm not saying you add to what you're doing in your life. You're already too busy. You're already working 55 hours a week. I understand. But it's the attitude and perspective that I am a disciple in motion on a journey going through my life seeking to follow Jesus. And in Mark chapter 2, we have some fellows in motion. I want us to read the text again. Are you all right with that? Are you enjoying this text? Hey, I've preached, I've preached actually four sermons on the Good Samaritan, and one of the guys up in Illinois said, you exhausted the text. <laughs> you can't exhaust the Good Samaritan text, can you? And we can't exhaust this text either. Mark puts this prominently in his gospel because he wants us to get it. It's Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it. Together, Put it up there if you would. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, 
take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. I want you to pay attention to the people now in the story. They are in motion. My little grandson, Brady, came home with a nursery song. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round and round. You remember it? (laughs) Okay. The people on the bus go up and down, up and down. Uh The driver on the bus says, move on back, move on back. Can you remember those three points? The wheels on the bus go round and round. If they'd had a bus, they'd have loaded up their paralytic friend on it and took him to the meeting, right? They did not have a bus. They did not have an internal combustion engine, but they had four good feet in a cot. And they loaded him up, and they went pitter-patter down the path, and they took their friend to Jesus. These four guys were in motion. If they hadn't been in motion, Jesus would never have seen their faith. Am I right? Would Jesus have seen their faith? He looked up in the hole. He saw four people looking down at him. And the scripture says when he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, James says, show me your faith without your deeds. I will show you my faith by what? By what I do. I will show you my faith by what I do. That's disciple in motion. Throughout the ministry of Jesus, the wheels on the bus go round and round. He's continually going. When you read Mark, you're thinking, this is like in fast motion. He's going here, he's going there. And true enough, it doesn't tell the whole story of the lifetime of Jesus, but it is a very busy life. He is itinerant as a preacher. That is, he's going from place to place. He himself is in motion. For Jesus, the wheels on the bus go round and round. He said it for his disciples as well. I am sending you out. I am sending you out. I want you to go from village to village. You're going to be going. And everywhere you go, I want you to preach the gospel. And if they won't listen to you, shake the dust off your feet and go on to the next village. I'm setting you in motion, disciples. The wheels on this bus go round and round. Even this fellow who gets up from this mat, Jesus says to him the little word that he uses so often, go, go. It's time to go. It's one of the little words he uses as he sees the disciples. In the last hours of his presence here on the earth, go and make disciples of all nations. He intends for the wheels and the bus to keep going round and round. They are going round and round right here at First Baptist New Orleans. This is not a static congregation. 
it changes. There are dramatic changes that have happened as we have relocated from downtown to St. Charles and Napoleon to this site over eight years ago. There were dramatic changes that happened after Katrina as 700 people that were on these rolls never came back after Hurricane Katrina. And it is a new congregation. But this congregation is 170 years old. They told me when I went to Africa, I had to have yellow fever shot. I went and got it because Anna was afraid they'd turn back the whole team if I didn't. But I remember in 1845, there was a pastor of First Baptist New Orleans who died of yellow fever because he refused to leave when the plague came. He wanted to minister to his people. For 170 years, people have, at great sacrifice, kept this ministry moving forward. Just this week, we launched two ministries that are very exciting to me. The wheels on this bus go round and round. I got reports of adult literacy going on in Central City. You say, why are you doing adult literacy in Central City? We've tried a number of things. We had feeding stations. We did preaching in the park. There were lots of good things that went on. But the feedback we got is what hope do we have? And so we are connecting teaching, reading, and writing with sharing the gospel. And we have trained nine people to do so. And they are going to some of the darkest places, some of the most difficult places in the city of New Orleans. And putting up the flyers and telling people, you come and let's be part of learning how to read and write and at the same time sharing the love of Christ. This very week, I came down the lobby on Wednesdays. Do you come on Wednesdays, by the way? You don't know what you're missing if you don't come on Wednesdays, all right? For one thing, you're missing a fellowship hall that's absolutely full of kids and young families. And it is a blessing to see. If you haven't been to church on Wednesday, you ought to come. We had over 70 kids in choir, kids choir this past week. I came into the lobby, and here come a bunch of people in new yellow shirts. It's the Summit Kids Club that kicked off this week. They are students from Dibert, just down the road. Dibert Public School, where we have done Fuel the Future. We have done block parties and all kind of things. And they are coming down the hall, and I am meeting them as they go by. And we are seeking to make a difference in the lives of these young people, third and fourth graders, bringing them to the church, teaching them God's word, as well as practical tutoring for them. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Next week, I'm going to talk about embracing the future. I want you to get this, okay? I want you to get embracing the future. Because when the wheels in the bus go round and round, the scenery changes outside the window. Things even change inside the bus when you're in motion. And sometimes change is frightening to people. How do we embrace the future if we are afraid of the future? An elderly woman that I just had a brief conversation this week said to me, 
I am so concerned about the upcoming presidential election, I cannot even sleep at night. I hope that's not you, all right? It's okay for you to be concerned about an election. It's not okay for you to be up all night worried about it. We do not live our lives in fear. We live them in faith. you got two choices. You can trust God or you can worry and be fearful. Please choose the option of trusting God with the future of your life, your kids, your grandkids, your family, your country, and this world. All right? Let's just trust him. He gives his beloved rest. The seventh day is named rest. It's the day when you remember that all your feverish activity in the world is not what makes the wheels go round and round. It's God who is carrying us from the point where he created to the point we sang about this morning when we will see Jesus. And it's on a line. History is. It's not going in circles. It's on a line starting where God started it and it will finish where God finishes it. And we are expecting Jesus. That's our future. Make sure you're here next week. I want to talk about that with you. I think it's a key thing. Change happens if you are in motion. I just had my 59 and a half birthday. All right? That was Friday. I'm okay with being 59 and a half. I've seen lots of things change in my life. The wheels on this bus go round and round. Jesus put it in motion. He intends for it to continue. Now listen. The people on the bus go up and down, all right? There are people in this story. There are the guys on the front row who are criticizing Jesus. They're thinking in their hearts, who is this fellow? Who does he think he is? There in the crowd. There's a crowd that's filled every crevice and cranny in the house. All the windows and doors are full of faces. They're there. There are four guys on the roof looking down through the hole they made. Those folks are there. There's a paralyzed man. And he needs his friends in Jesus more than anybody. And he doesn't say anything, but he's there in the room. And there's Jesus. And the people on the bus, when the bus is in motion, have always gone up and down. The bus is filled with such a variety of people, intentionally, on purpose. The church of Jesus Christ gathers into its fold all this different mix of people. Old and young, rich and poor, every ethnicity speaking different languages from all over the earth. The church gathers together the people of God. It is intentionally diverse. All the walls come down as you trust Jesus as Savior and realize that every, every person in the body is your brother or your sister and you are family together. And one day when you get to heaven, you know, no, no, it's going to be like that in heaven. 
Heaven's going to be such a beautiful place with representatives from every ethnicity, language, nation, and tongue. All of them present in heaven. And the church of Jesus Christ is a microcosm. It's a look at the future of what heaven's going to be like when you see the church. And so we have these companions in our journey as the wheels go round and round. People that we love. People different from us. And we are on the journey together on purpose. Jesus intended that when we are baptized, we are baptized into the body of Christ. So nobody's solo on the journey as they go. We make our decisions individually, but we travel together as people on the bus. And I know you enough to know this. Sometimes you're up. Sometimes you're down. Sometimes you're ready to carry the paralytic friend to Jesus. And sometimes you're sitting on the front row saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? I know you enough to know your emotions go up and go down. That's just how people are. The people on the bus go up and down. The people on the bus come in and out. Every relationship that you have, because you are a living organism, because your relationship is dynamic, it goes like this with that spouse that you've been with. There are periods of time in your life when you feel very close to one another and there's a great intimacy. And you look back on that time. Maybe it was a time of difficulty when you first got married, but you did everything together. And sometimes you wish for that time because now you got kids and you both have careers and you don't see each other like you used to and it doesn't exactly feel like it used to. See, people on the bus go up and down and they go in and out and relationships change. And that's just part of the dynamic of life. And what you don't want to do, young person and brother and sister, is you don't want to give up on the journey while you're down. You don't want to bail out. You wish you could graph your spiritual life like this. You got saved and you've just been steadily growing ever since and you just had no bobbles in the graph, but that's not how it is, how is it? Not for me and not for you. The way we grow is we grow with valleys and mountaintops and peaks. Sometimes we look around at the people on the bus going up and down. And we focus too much on them. We worry about them. We wonder why they can't be consistent. It's always been a question in the church of Jesus Christ ever since the early days. When the writer of Hebrews wrote his letter to the churches and people who were following Jesus, there was persecution and there were folks on the bus who had decided to get off the bus. And the big question was, what do you do with them when they want to get back on the bus after you've been through the hard spot? You know, now they want to come back in. Are they saved? Are they lost? Who are these people who denied that Jesus is Lord in order to save their own skin? It's hard to discern. It's hard to understand. Look, the church of Jesus Christ is in motion. The wheels go round and round, and the people go up and down. There was a time when I thought, as a boy, that riding on the back seat of the bus was the funnest thing there was. We lived in the country, and we had great big ruts and potholes. I mean, things that were large enough almost to swallow the bus out there in the country in San Saba County. And the bus had about 
maybe 10 seats on it, and there would be maybe 15 kids that would ride the bus. The place you wanted to sit was in the back seat of the bus. Because when that driver went tearing down that country road, he'd hit that pothole, and you could bounce all the way and bounce off the off the ceiling of the bus. I've hit the ceiling of the bus so hard it hurt my head. But we thought we were having fun. It was fun to go up and down. It was fun to bounce around and around. It's gotten less fun, you know? I mean, those little short wheelbase sports cars are for the kids. You want the longer wheelbase sedan now. That your bones don't give and take as well as they used to. Going up and down is just part of life. It comes with the territory. The test of your walk with Christ is to stay steady in the downtime, in the difficult time. To trust when you don't know the answer and your circumstances confuse you. If you haven't encountered that already, it's coming. You're going to have circumstances and events in your life where you're going to say, why, God? And you find out that for the great weaver of life, the dark threads are as needful in the skillful weaver's hands as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. That what he does with you in the difficult times may be the most blessed spiritual time for you. If you're experiencing pain, you've had bad news, trouble has come. Draw close. Don't pull away. Bring that paralyzed friend to Jesus. If you can't get in the door, dig a hole in the roof. Stay in motion. Press on toward the goal. Don't give up in the journey. You're not shadow boxing. You're not running aimlessly. You're in partnership with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And this journey you're in is important. And you've got friends and family who watch your life. So when the trouble comes, when you go up and down and in and out, you stay faithful in the things you know to do. Even if you don't know all the answers, that's all right. Some of them you know. Those things you do. Steady in the downtime means growing spiritually, serving your Lord even when you yourself are hurting and experiencing the reward of being faithful as the Father in heaven is faithful to you. The truth is, I don't really like to be in the back of a bus anymore. The truth is, I want to drive the bus. All right? I am nervous if you're driving the bus. 
even if you're Bob Moore, okay? I just keep working my foot on the passenger side trying to put on the brake and the accelerator. Why? I want to be in control. That's why. I want to be in charge. What Jesus is doing in this passage is he is saying, move on back. You're not the driver here. I am. This whole story is about the authority of Jesus. It's not about whether Jesus can heal a paralyzed man. It's about whether Jesus can forgive sin. Does the Son of Man have authority on earth to forgive sin? That's the question. Who's in charge? Who's the driver? Who can do for you what you cannot do for yourself? Who can clean you from the inside out? Who who can make you a new person? Who can remove the faults and failures and sins of your life as far as the east is from the west? Who can take all the things that shame you and about which you feel guilty and bury them in the depths of the sea so that God remembers them no more against you? Who can make you so that one day you stand before God with confidence and on the day of judgment know that you are clean? Only. Jesus can do that. So that you may know, not just you four guys on the roof, not just you six critics on the front row, but everybody in this room. So you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, to forgive this man's sin, the paralyzed man, to forgive this man's sin, to forgive the four guys on the roof and their sin, and to forgive your sin. That's why he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go. We all want to be in control. We all want to feel like we're in charge. It is a common human longing to be in charge. Sometimes we manipulate circumstances and even people so that we can get our way and be in charge. And ultimately, you get the news from the doctor and you realize, I'm not in charge. It's way beyond me. I can't do a thing. It was a song when I was a boy. I was sitting in the front seat trying really hard to be the driver, thinking I was making real good time, but always winding up the late arriver. Now I am sitting in the back seat, and I find it is a very great relief. Now I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm leaving all the driving to the chief. I was barreling out full speed ahead. Running every stop sign I could see, thinking I'd give the Lord a shortcut. I found out he don't need no help from me. Part of the worry you have is because you think you're in charge. It's up to you. The spiritual condition of people that you love. Situations that seem to be unraveling. Things indeed beyond your control. You worry about them all night because you think it's up to you. And the Lord Jesus is saying, 
move on back. I got this seat. I got this wheel. I know where we're going far better than you. And I can drive this bus. And if you will just trust him in the crisis of your life, he will give you what no search on Google can give you. No encyclopedia or library in the world can give you. No accumulation of facts can give you. If you will trust him as the driver of this bus, he will give you peace. Wouldn't you like to have that? Would you like to have some peace? Then trust the God who made you to drive the bus you're on and do what he has called you even when you're down and know that being in motion is always part of life and he can handle anything that comes up. Bow with me, please. Somebody in this room, you're hurting today. And it's been a rough week. And the Holy Spirit just wants you to trust in him now. Would you just whisper a prayer and say, Lord, here I am, and I'm giving my troubles to you. I'm taking this hefty burden on my back, and I'm rolling it over to your feet. I am casting my care on you. I believe you care for me. Can you pray this prayer? The Holy Spirit will give you faith as you pray this prayer to the Lord who loves you. God, I want your peace in my life. I want to sleep at night. Settle my heart down. Let me trust you. Somebody in this room needs to come to Jesus. The reason life is such a mess is because you haven't found the life giver yet. And you need him to forgive your sin and there's nothing else you can do about that sin. You've got to bring it to Jesus. He is the one who has authority to forgive sin. Will you do it? Will you say to him, even now, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Oh, do I know it. Please forgive me for my sin. Take my sin away. I give my life to you as best I know how. God, today, by your Holy Spirit, do your work in this room. Lord, I pray for the one who is most anxious that you will give them peace. For the one who is most guilty that they will come to you for forgiveness. For that man or woman covered with shame that today will be a day of renewal and cleansing, new life and new hope. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.